0: Hey what's going on, guys? So today we're gonna to do things a little bit differently. instead of talking about a specific company or specific investment opportunity in the stock market,, uh, we're gonna have a conversation around uh, with my guest today, my brother, uh, around investing in the stock market as uh, as a retail investor, just kind of investing from your personal account and some reservations that some folks may have when approaching the uh, the stock market, especially if you you never pursued a career. In the financial industry in the past, or or anything along those lines. So, uh, just a little background on my brother. My brother came out of uh, Emory University's because what a business school he studied uh, organization management, and today uh, he helps lead a forty store clothing retail company. And so, for quite some time now, he's uh, you know he's been in this life stage or in this position to uh, have the means to be able to invest. Uh, and I think, uh, and I don't think he's alone in the in this category here. But I think he's kind of approached the stock market slightly hesitantly, or has had certain reservations about uh, actively investing in the markets, even though uh, they've over time generated, uh, in my view, what's a kind of compelling rate of return. So uh, yeah, so we're just going to talk about stocks overall and kind of the mechanics behind what drives valuations up, what drives valuations down. And uh, we're just gonna go from there. So Vic, would you say that's relatively accurate around uh, your suspicions uh, involving the stock market that you're, you're slightly hesitant to uh, devote um, time and resources towards investing in the financial markets?
1: Yeah, I would say that's accurate. I think, um, you know, as you had mentioned, uh, I, I do uh, work in business, uh, but in a unrelated, not a directly related field, um, and so, um, having a full-time job, uh, I think it's difficult to, uh, you know, figure out um, exactly where to where to go with the stock markets. And I think you're correct in saying that I do have some suspicions and reservations um, with regards to uh, trading stocks. Um, you know, just I guess with my cursory knowledge of how everything works. And hopefully uh, you can kind of shed some light uh, and, you know, make some practical suggestions as to, you know, as somebody that doesn't necessarily work directly in finance, uh, has a full-time job, um, has a little bit left over uh, after paying all the bills, um, are there other ways to, uh, you know, grow financially uh, outside of my my regular nine to five?
0: For starters, uh, what would you say is kind of your... Biggest suspicion involving the stock market.
1: Um, well, if you want to start with suspicion, uh, I guess. Uh, so having somewhat of a background in uh, business school, blah blah blah, whatever you want to call it, um, I kind of understand the gist of how it works. Um, but you know, sometimes you know what they say is it's more dangerous. How does the saying go? Oh, you
0: you you don't know what you don't know. Something along those lines. Something,
1: something like that. So. Um, you know, I know a little bit, I know just enough to be real dangerous. I think that's the saying, something like well, we've that.
0: Well, ha- we've had a lot of conversations in the past and you've raised a lot of great questions that I don't even think active investors uh, raise themselves. And so uh, I-, I think your, your knowledge of the stock market actually goes beyond simply, quote unquote, cursory knowledge. And so um, for someone who, especially for someone who understands the P&L for a company understands organization management. I I was just a little surprised that, um, that you you are as reluctant as you've been to kind of move forward in in um, kind of you know considering alternative investment opportunities, especially financial securities.
1: Right. So yeah, um, having you know somewhat having experience managing a, a retail company. And looking at the financials, managing a PNL and l or basically a profit and loss statement and all the other associated um, financial statements that uh, kind of go into telling me uh, the health of our business, um, You know, I would say that the way I think about a P&L or the way I, I analyze a balance sheet or, or what have you, I think it's more on the perspective of um, how is um, our company uh, performing, right? And so uh, the perspective as it relates to those numbers fr- on Main Street versus I guess the way Wall Street looks at those numbers, I mean, that's where I think the biggest uh, disconnect is uh, in hesitation um, because I, the way I see it uh, in retail, uh, on Main Street, uh, you know, whether you're selling clothes or you're selling uh, cheeseburgers or you're selling gas or you're selling a service, uh, you get paid for uh, what you earn, right? So uh, you know, I buy a widget or I buy a banana or I buy a gallon of gas, uh, from some supplier. Uh, I, we, you know, add value by, uh, merchandising it correctly, uh, giving customers access to this particular product. Um, uh, you know, and then we mark up, uh, to earn a profit. Uh, for the value that we add. And then we sell that product at a a profit.
0: I think the the underlying principle though, the underlying principle though, between like investing in a stock and um, say selling a piece of garment, it's quite similar, isn't it? I mean, well, anyways, I I guess-
1: I'll tell you why it's different. Okay. In my mind, okay, it would be the same, uh, you know, investing in a company and earning um, money from my investment would kind of be like, I see it, being similar in the sense that like, let's say I was, um, Mark Cuban, okay. right. Or one of those, uh, investors on shark tank. Okay. Right? So, you know, I go, let's say I, I really love this pizza joint, uh, in my town. And I know this, this pizza place could scale because their pizza is amazing. Right. Okay. And so the owner of this company might come to me, let's say, and he'd be like, yeah, I need to open up my, another pizza shop. And in order to do so, I got to buy an oven. I got to, you know, uh, do some upgrades to a space, blah, blah, blah. And you might say, uh, Hey, can I borrow some money, uh, in exchange for, uh, this money, this cash, uh, I'm going to give you a percentage of my profits. Right. So that, you know, that's, that's kind of how I would feel. It should work when you buy into or buy stock in a company where, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's say the guy's name is Sam. Yes, yeah, Sam. Um, let me give you a you know, hundred bucks. Here you go. Go buy some dough. Buy a little bit more sauce, and uh, mark it up. Go sell it to the end consumer and make some profit. And then, yeah, we'll split some of the uh, the proceeds from that. Um, you know, that's the way I would think investing should work. But um, you know, I don't think that's the way it works.
0: Okay. Well, do you have a brokerage account as of today?
1: I do have a small, very small brokerage
0: account. Very quote unquote small brokerage account. Okay. So, uh, what kind of when you when you're approaching uh, the stock market, especially as someone who again? Who who has a career that's outside of the financial markets? When you uh, when you open up your brokerage account and you decide, hey, I'm thinking about buying this stock or that stock. What are your biggest concerns? Like, what what's kind of going through your head? What's your what's your methodology?
1: So, uh, with my existing um, account, uh, I opened it up just kind of for fun. Okay. To be honest. So um, what's the, what's the purpose? It's is not, it, it's just, it's just
0: like, let me just play around here.
1: Um, kind of, uh, it wasn't really, uh, a tool that I, a vehicle that I thought would actually be a real, um, earnings vehicle. Um, I just kind of wanted to dabble. I think a lot of people have very small, uh, brokerage accounts. I think it's not just me. I mean, just from people that I know. Uh, I think it was just a matter of dabbling and trying to have some fun and and just trying to figure out how things work. And so I've had some good experiences. Uh Um, I bought Apple very early on Uh um, and I think I do what a lot of people, I did what a lot of people do and did, which is they see a company that they personally like. uh, They think it's got growth potential or it's got legs. So they, they invest in that company. Um, I've also had some very bad experiences using that methodology. Obviously, you know, I didn't put in the full analytic um, that you finance guys do. Uh, and I saw a company. I, I thought it was admirable. I liked it. Um, I thought a lot of people shopped at this particular store. And in the beginning, I made a lot of money. Which a particular lot of money, store? I mean, relatively speaking. Which particular store? Uh, it's a brand that, um, <laughs> it's a store that uh, It really, really, I don't, I don't even want to mention uh, the name of this company because... Um, It's one of those. I made a little bit of money in the Uh beginning. Uh um, And then, you know, they eventually went bankrupt. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh uh, Because when I go to the mall, I still see those guys operating. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yo, guys, where the heck is my money? This is what I'm saying. (laughs) I don't don't appreciate um, Uh how this whole thing works. Because you know how when we buy stocks, we're essentially buying them on the secondary marketplace, right? right? It's not, yo, I like your store you know, let me give you a hundred bucks at the end of the year, if you make a little money, you know, send me a check, right? I get uh, a check in the mail. That's not uh-huh. the way it works in the secondary markets. Uh-huh. Secondary markets, did you explain to your listeners what secondary the secondary marketplace is?
0: Yeah. So see, you raise uh, you raise certain terminology that kind of points and highlights to the fact that you you don't have a cursory kind of base of knowledge. So I think, which is a good thing because then, uh, but uh, regarding the secondary market, there's the primar- primary markets and then there's the secondary markets, which um, my brother Victor's alluding to. The primary market is simply where uh, the company, when they first issue their shares, they're, they're issuing it to the first investors uh, that are actually going to own shares in the company. When, when a company goes and, and conducts an initial public offering, that's the primary market. And now when those shares start changing hands again to some other class of investors, some grouping or some other investors, now you've entered into the secondary market because that money is no longer going directly to the company, but it's rather being exchanged between investors. So that's kind of how I had to think about the primary market versus the secondary market. Yeah. But so
1: to me, I mean, just to let's go back to that illustration, right? Let's say there's this uh, pizza place. I love pizza, so I'm gonna keep using this pizza illustration. Okay. But let's say one of our buddies. Let's say his name is uh, what did we say his name was. Sam. Oh, Sam. Yeah. Okay. So let's say Sam's got this pizza store, and he's got one store, right? And this pizza place is awesome. It's the best place around. And this guy, Sam, he knows, and Sam and I know. That uh, if he we were to um, invest a little bit of cash, because obviously if he wants to open a second store, he's going to need cash. He's going to need cash for a new oven, uh, more dough, more right. sauce, and more cheese,
0: right? So initial capital to make the business yeah, he, up and running. Yeah, he's got a,
1: right. He needs a little bit of. He needs more cash than he's got to be able to go make that significant investment to open up a second location. Uh-huh. So that's why, in order to raise that cash, he can go get a loan from a bank. Or uh-huh. he can uh, decide to get investors, right? Uh, that will uh, give him cash in exchange for uh, a share of future profits of that second store, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in that in that case, you know, I would be the so the initial public offering or whatever it is would be Sam being like, "Hey, uh, Vic, I'm gonna I want to open this second store." You know, can you let? Can you give me some money? If you give me this money, I'll uh, share the profits of this second store with you and the first store, whatever it is. Uh-huh. So I'd be like, okay, your pizza's fantastic, and I and I want to do it. I'll do it. And at the end of the year, you know, you take all your sales and you minus out all your expenses and all your taxes and blah uh-huh. blah blah. Uh-huh. And then uh, if you're left with some profit, then yeah, let's share that profit, right? Um, whatever with 50 50 60 40 70 30 whatever it is right 80, 20 proportionate whatever. proportionate some to proportionate, what you
0: invested versus what sam invested right and how much sam puts in work right versus right, how right, much right, i right. put in
1: work right right so all of taking all that into account we'd come up with some fair arrangement because we're buds and uh you know we we would I would get a little bit of money and he'd get a little more money because he's operating well. Anyway, long story short is that's the way I think investments should work. Uh But when we talk about secondary, so let's just say, let's bring up a company, right? Um, Like let's say what's a, what's a hot up and coming? I mean, uh, what's an IPO that's going to launch this year? Uh, Uber. 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 Yeah. So Uber, for example, um, let's say uh, so. They're they're what are they right now? Are they a private company or what are they? They're a privately held company. They're a privately held company, um, owned by some conglomerate, f- some syndicate of investors, some, some group, some like some mix group, of right. So of it's investors. not like Sam who's going opening up his, his right. shop, right? Right. So already there's people. So they're basically a bunch of people after they be at before they decided to launch as a public company. Okay. A bunch of organizations, institutions. Uh, Rich people, right, put money into this company already, right, Uh to kind of bolster, you know, give you Uber the funds so that, you know, all these sketchy people can drive around and whatever, right? But anyway, (laughs) so there's all these people already with their hands in the pot, right? Okay. And now it's like, okay, guys, we we want to raise even more money, Uh okay? Uh So we're going to go public, quote unquote, go public, Uh right? And issue this uh, initial public, what is it? Offering. Offering. Uh-huh. IPO. Uh-huh. So then they go to uh, regular uh, people out there and be like, yo, you know, let's can you guys give us some more cash, right?
0: Uh-huh. So I, I think here's the thing. I think you're touching on like your a lot of your suspicions though revolve around some of the mechanics involved in companies launching publicly. Or and then also how there's a disconnect between publicly traded companies. Versus privately held companies. Well, I guess like what it is, mom is, and pops, right? And I mean, so, because of that disconnect, you have a you have a high level of uh, suspicion around owning the companies because you don't think you're
1: actually owning the businesses. Right. I don't think I'm owning anything. You if don't I think don't, you're if, owning the business. I don't think so. I know. T- technically, I'm owning something. I'm owning a, a piece of paper that says I uh, own a share uh-huh. of Apple. It's, it sounds
0: like it's just paper okay. ownership.
1: It sounds like I'm I'm owning paper, and for me to. Um, invest money my uh-huh. money my cash that i've worked hard to get and uh-huh. to to buy these pieces of paper uh-huh. um you know it doesn't i guess i have a reservation and it's not i guess it is a suspicion on some level uh, but i think it's more like i uh, you know i don't want to i don't have the time to put in all this uh, effort to put on put in all this the analytical groundwork to in, make these investments, uh-huh. right? And no, that's fair. furthermore, I think most people are like that. And furthermore, I don't. um Yeah, I don't know exactly what I'm getting. If I, let's say, if I'm putting in an order of jeans uh-huh.
0: from like some ch- factory
1: in China, right? I know what I'm getting. Right, right. I'm right. getting something. Right. right. If I'm buying a stock, I don't know what I'm getting. I'm just getting a piece of paper. That's what I mean? it seems. That's what it feels like. I think part of the, it, part feels of the... like it, because I've, like I said, I've. I've I'm not getting a check. Okay, that company earned a profit. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm not seeing any part of that profit.
0: How about we just talk, touch on that right there really quickly sure. before we move on to the next subject? So, when a company actually generates, let's say, 100 bucks in profit, in a publicly traded company, that is, uh, well, you hire, you have hired a management team. Not maybe not necessarily you, but there is, uh, there's a board of directors who represent shareholder interests who hire the management team. And that management team decides what to do with that $100 in profit at the end of the year. Now, in I don't know about most cases, but in many cases, that management team believes by reinvesting that $100 back into the business that next year, instead of $100, there'll be $105 or say $110. And so instead of Say issuing you know Victor a check for his proportionate interest in that hundred dollars, management believes that um, by reinvesting most of it back into the business or all of it back into the business, why don't hey investor why don't you just wait a little bit because there would be more profits along the way that could be distributable at a later point in time. But at the same time, that's one grouping of companies. But there's another group of companies where some portion of profits are in fact paid back to investors. And so,
1: so, you know, it really depends on the kind
0: of company that you're you're looking
1: at. Right. And those are called uh, dividends, right? Exactly. Dividends. Right. Okay. So, right. That's... It sounds great in theory. So, you got to understand this, right? So, one... And I know you do, but basically, my one share, let's just say, or my okay. 10 shares, my 100 shares... Okay. Let's say I have... Uh, let's say I have $1,000, okay, invested in Apple. Let's okay. say I have... invested in Apple. Okay. Let's say I have a million dollars invested in Apple. Okay. Let's say I have $10 million invested in Apple, right? You
0: still won't be able to dictate what management does. My
1: $10 million that I have invested in Apple means jack squat, (laughs) right? Compared to the larger pool of investments that are going into that company. Right. As a retail investor- But
0: don't you think that's fair? As a
1: retail investor, my money- uh-huh. And thus, my clout, uh-huh. uh huh, you know, my my influence or whatever right. it is, whatever it may be, I I don't have any say on in anything. Okay, right. But let's go Not back. Not that to I your, have a right to. Let's, have let's go any, back
0: to your. Let's go back to your illustration on Sam's Pizza Shop, though.
1: Whether you're Joe Schmo
0: or Gordon Gecko, everybody who wants who invests in the stock market, uh, meaning everybody who wants to buy ownership or equity in a business, they want. To make money, right? They want to. They want the value of their investment to increase. So it's not like some investor or some like Gordon Gecko out there. He's going to come in and make thing make life for the small investor uh, really miserable. Their incentives are totally aligned. They're, they're they're the same thing.
1: Right and okay, but I guess just emotionally speaking, the way I kind of feel about uh, the stock market, especially for retail investors, is that it's kind of feels like a pyramid scheme. Pyramid scheme, yeah, in the, in the sense that uh, if you're, you know, let's say you know st- you know the whole thing with PE ratios, right? Okay. So let's say uh, a certain stock is priced ten <coughs> times more than this thing is earning. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm coming in now, right? The okay. stock's been around for a long time, and I'm coming in now. So let's say like, like a, a ten times PE stock. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like um you know there's a lot of like like I don't get uh how uh some of these multiples uh justify themselves.
0: Right. As you know do I mean? as do actually as do the best investors on the planet. Sometimes they just don't think. So take for example Uber. Did you know that Uber every single year um they lose in operating margin, actually even above operating margin, uh, but let's just hypothetically say it's called operating margin. They lose over a billion dollars a year.
1: Okay, exactly. So Isn't
0: that insane? So, this energy, so but that's so why company. that's that's where exuberance comes in. That's where so in 19 if you if you kind of rewind back the clock, 1998, 1999, which is when the tech tech bubble I think burst. A lot of those companies they were. Exactly so like how you ca- company, exactly what so you Uber, characterize Uber, they're just paper. They're Uber, just paper. It's Uber,
1: just Uber loses how much a year?
0: Uh over 1 billion dollars a year. And so they think and they is is think their valuation is closer to 100 billion, 90 to 100 billion dollars when they IPO I think later this year.
1: The valuation of the company. Kind of like, <laughs> so this is what I'm trying to say uh-huh. is I don't get these astronomical multiples that exist. Uh-huh.
0: Um, neither, you know what, but you, I think you're in good company because neither, neither does a guy like Warren Buffett, but not even just like,
1: okay, so there's those, uh, so that's why he owns companies there like are those Coca-Cola, absurd ratios that are out there like that. Right. But yep. then I also don't understand, uh, even ratios of like, you know, for established companies, you know, where they're trading like five, 10 times earnings. I just don't get why I would pay. So, what what, more? Think about it this way. This company earns on an annual basis. Why would I pay 10 times what these guys are making in a profit, you know, for my share, right? Uh, Of what my share can possibly earn. Okay. So, am I going to? So, let's say, you know, uh, Coca Cola, let's just say, what's the multiple on Coca Cola right now? I don't know exactly, but let's
0: just stick to that ten times number you're talking okay, about. Okay, let's say Coca-Cola. why would I? Why would I say Coca-Cola I, is ten Coca-Cola. times? Let's okay. just say it is. Okay, right. So, but let me ask you another question without
1: though. checking the Yahoo Finance. Let
0: me let me let me ask you a question though. Would you own a ten percent yielding bond?
1: Would I own a ten percent yielding
0: bond? Yeah, that comes due in say
1: uh, ten years.
0: And let's say let's say let's, let's say let's, let's analyze that. Let's say okay. okay. So
1: let's say that uh, let's say I got a thousand bucks. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's say I put about I uh, put aside $1,000 uh, after all the expenses this month I got an extra 10,000. Uh sorry, $1,000. Mm-hmm. So what would that 1,000 if I put this get this bond and I spend 1,000 bucks on this bond what would I get next year? You get year?
0: at the end of the at the end. So let's say you bought it January 1st, right? Uh-huh. That means at the end of the year you would get
1: one hundred dollars in interest payment. So I'd get a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Right? Okay, but my thousand is still with the with the company with the bond, whatever. Yeah. Owning it you you bond. own the bond, mm-hmm.
0: and you get a hundred bucks at the end of the year because it's a ten percent coupon, ten percent interest you're getting. Okay. So my question was, would you? I mean, is that compelling? Would you own that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I think a lot of people would, assuming that you're going to get ten percent year in and year out.
1: Yeah. Right. But that's and at the end of the life cycle, at the end uh of ten years, you get your money back. I got your money back. Ten thousand, like one thousand back. Exactly. Exactly. So, so then at the end of ten years, how much would I have in my pocket?
0: Well, uh, thousand, thousand dollar, two thousand dollars. Not, not, not including inflation, compounding
1: the interest also, right?
0: Well, assuming that you just pocketed the interest and you didn't reinvest it, Mm -hmm. um, you would have two thousand dollars gross. So not including inflation, not including the loss in value or whatnot. But at the end of ten years, you would have two thousand dollars because you'd be paid back your thousand dollars, your principal, and then you would be paid hundred bucks every year over the next ten years.
1: So you'd have two thousand dollars. So yeah, I mean that's I guess that sounds pretty good. Yeah, but I I, I think that's. Um, so how does that equate to me buying a, a share a share of Coca Cola, paying ten times more now?
0: So. When you when you look at the PE ratio, right? Oh, I guess I see where you're going with this. Yeah, I'm going to earnings. I'm
1: going to earnings Uh, yield. I see where you're going with this. (laughs) I'm Uh, going to earnings yield. Shady, shady, shady. No, I'm not. not So you're assuming that? Okay, fine. If this thing is uh, earning a dollar. For the ten dollars I'm putting in right now, let's say it's I $10 should be getting year. a check at the end of the year for at least a dollar. Exactly, but, but you have, but right. as a, as a, as I don't see, I, I've owned stocks <laughs> long enough and I've lost enough money to know that Coca Cola ain't sending me no check for a dollar at the end like of the year. It's not happening because Coca Cola's okay? major. So, team. so you have to. So you as an investor. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and let's say let's go back to that one thousand dollars. where I think one thousand dollars. You know, uh, for just wait. So me clarify, like let, me, guy, let, me, let me clarify. For you like a normal guy. Let me clarify that. Let me listen, clarify. Listen, listen, let me
0: let me clarify that because most people aren't gonna get. So let's just, Most people aren't gonna get what you just what you just arrived at. Oh so my I'm, gosh! I, I am, I'm am analogizing. I analogizing to
1: a snake oil? Am I a salesman here? You sound like a. No. You sound like a used car salesman over here. No, man. no, 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 okay, no, no. You tell me this. If I buy that stock. Okay. Okay. Let's say I buy a thousand dollars worth me clarify. of Coca-Cola stock. Let me clarify first why Sir, I asked you your the customer, question. Your guest, your customer, speaking here. Guys, this is why I have this suspicion about investing in stocks. Okay, let's listen to this finance guy explain this. <laughs> it's, so, if it's not if finance; I, it's finance. Okay, I hate I, it when people say finance. If I spend a thousand dollars and I buy Coca-Cola stock today, okay, at the end of the year, okay. am I going to get hundred bucks? No, you're not. Okay, because, okay so here's and the, the fine, difference. Fine. Here's the fine, difference, fine, though. Fine. Let's just go on with that illustration. And after end of the year two, am I going to get a check for hundred bucks? uh if no no you're not no but they earned a 100 bucks let's just say right if yeah. i versus my thousand i invest i invested yeah coca-cola earned a 100 bucks the company yeah. right yeah all right but i'm not seeing a check in year one i'm not gonna see a check in year two am i gonna see a check in year 10 if this company does not issue any dividends <clears throat> no i ain't gonna see no checks you're not gonna so see any checks what happened to no cash in your
0: pocket so you, when it comes down to the company that you're taking a look at, you have to decide: okay, is this a dividend issuing company, or is this not a dividend issuing company? Right. And, and the now reason, all the, the reason, stocks
1: that I've owned over the past, you know, five, ten years, and dabbling in the stock market, fifteen years, I've uh-huh. owned like Apple, uh-huh. I've owned Facebook. I mean, I still own Facebook. I still own Apple. Uh-huh. I own. Uh, uh, it's,
0: it's quite convenient for you to name all your
1: winners. What else do I own?
0: <laughs> I, I own. <laughs> I own well, which google. one was the loser again <laughs> i own
1: google like i own half a share of google uh-huh. which one was that bankrupt company <laughs> i i own um what else do i own i wish i owned home depot uh-huh. but i wish I. okay got but a i let me, let me let me, let, love, me all, let me let me let me start answering first your first question all, though like, like, quick shout out to home depot okay <laughs> i love that store why uh-huh. All right, but let every me, time I have to answer about, time your question. Wall Street, <laughs> talk about Wall Street. Let's talk a little bit about I'm Main not, Street. Okay, I'm not, right? I'm not, I've been on Main Street, Street for quite some time now. I've been on Main home Street. Home Depot, every time I go into one of those Home Depot's, it doesn't matter where, I, I've been in a lot of Home Depots in the business that I'm in, uh, okay? They're every, a great business. Every single they take care of... Of that I go in, they're employees, okay? Okay, I could go from the- That's a great uh, company. I could walk That's from right, the it's a great section of the store. And I if and I have a question of let's say something I need in the lumber part of the store, which is like on the opposite side of the store. Oftentimes, I don't know why your Jersey accent just got thicker. They're really knowledgeable <laughs> employees, and they're helpful employees.
0: Okay, so let me let me circle back to uh, the reason why I raised the question initially. As far let's as why get back would to you? Why am I I'm not to, getting a check? Yeah, So I'm going to touch on that. I'm going to touch on that briefly. But for the for for the listeners who aren't really catching on to why I had raised that question to begin with because if you're getting a 10% yielding coupon bond that's going to mature, uh, or meaning you're going to be paid back the full principal amount within 10 years, it's the same question of whether or not uh, I want to buy a 10 times price-to-earnings stock. Because if you were to invert the price-to-earnings multiple ratio, it's an earnings yield which is comparable to the interest rate calculation on a bond. So uh, the difference between debt and equity or part of the difference between the difference between debt and and equity is that your equity value could increase substantially due to the growing earnings power of a particular business. And so the reason why you're not getting your check back at the end of year one or year two or year three, and maybe not until maybe not ever, is largely because the management team in which you had indirectly hired through the board of directors, has decided, if we reinvest this money, this $1 per share in profit this year back into the business, we believe our management team can generate more earnings per share next year for our investors. So it should be more than, so instead of a instead dollar of this year, next year we're gonna make a dollar and 20 cents. So if the company still trades, At 10 times P.E. in year two, well, the value of your stock just went from $10 to $12, which is a 20% unrealized capital gain. That sounds very enticing, doesn't it? That's the reason why um, you're not necessarily going to get cash back into your pocket.
1: Right. But here's what I don't understand, right? Uh So basically, uh, cutting out all that finance speak, what Uh you're saying is, is... Uh my ten dollars that I bought in Coca Cola, uh-huh. right for to buy one dollar in the profit that uh Coca Cola made,
0: right? Right. You had paid ten dollars in exchange for one dollar in the profit. profit. Right. And my yeah. ten
1: dollars is gonna be locked into that company until I ever decide to sell. Right, right. right. And I'm every year I'm gonna make one dollar, assuming that the company makes a dollar. What you're right. saying is is next year, if Coca Cola, let's say made two dollars uh huh. Right. You have a twenty dollars
0: stock right there. You think if, you have a twenty dollars stock if multiples, the price to earnings ratio remains at ten times.
1: Right. If the price to earnings ratio remains ten times.
0: Right. So, um, does that happen? Uh, a company doubling their earnings. Yeah. Yeah, it's happened in the past. So I'll give you uh I'll give you an example of uh, of a scenario uh, where that has happened or was anticipated to happen and partly did become realized, I think back in 2012 or 11, somewhere around that, no, I think a little later than that, 2013, 14, somewhere around that time frame, I was looking at a coal company um, called Halidor Energy, ticker symbol H&RG. They're kind of this sleepy company that historically generated like 80 cents in earnings per share for
1: like a decade.
0: Now, Nobody was really paying attention to it. It was earning
1: 80 cents a share.
0: 80 cents a share. And it was trading at 10 times PE, roughly about 10 times PE. Uh, But because it was such a sleepy company, because it hadn't done that much, not many people were really paying attention to this particular name. And then on top of that, coal, structurally as an industry, is shrinking in a really meaningful way. But here's the interesting thing. The management team got a hold of new mines that were anticipated to double, effectively double earnings. And they did it without diluting shareholder interests. So they didn't issue new shares. They just took out financing uh, from a bank to buy more mines. And when they did that, they guided or told the investing community, hey, this is how much money we anticipate making. On a per share basis, when I backed into the math, they were gonna. They were gonna increase their earnings per share from eighty cents per share to approximately a dollar sixty. So, you know, assuming that the P/E ratio main stays the same, um, you would have essentially doubled your your inv- the value of your investment. So
1: assuming right, yeah, but right. That so that pri- it, there's a lot the of price, moving parts.
0: There's a lot of moving parts. So to this. did
1: the increase in earnings was that did it eventually get? you know, baked into that price.
0: So what had happened, so it stock. was trading at about, uh, I'm going off of memory here and it's been a few years, but uh, it was trading at about $8 a share. I think uh, after a few months after the announcement that they were going to purchase their mines and whatnot, their stock price went from $8 a share to I believe 12 to $14 a share. And I was anticipating that it was actually worth closer to 16 to $20 a share. Unfortunately, so again, in the financial markets, there's a lot of moving parts. At exact, Precisely at that time, OPEC, OPEC, which is a cartel in uh, the Middle East, decided we're going to slash oil prices and we're going to jack up production. In um in oil, so basically something something bad happened. Look, well, I happened. need to explain. I feel like it's important to explain how how
1: I need to don't explain get angry how. Here, don't get angry here. Calm no, no, down. no 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 no. I'm just trying to sell some pizzas, <laughs> all right?
0: I have to explain how intricate the financial markets really, in fact, are, and how there's so many moving parts. So and and why there's no guarantee, even if you anticipate a doubling of earnings. So let me. So OPEC, they had jacked up production. Because natural gas in the United States, the the level of production in the natural of natural gas in the United States was booming. Uh, low interest rates were financing a, a, an entirely new industry uh, called fracking, mm-hmm. which is new- think, and I so. Anyways,
1: mm-hmm. long story I think, short, I think great. I think you brought. I think you brought up story, a great. Long story. I short, think this, illust- this is long story short. This is illustrative if, of something that's. Uh, Kind of makes me um, my head spin a little bit when it comes to the stocks. Is okay. okay, all right. So I know pizza, right? I know okay. when I go into this okay. store, okay, okay, this pizza shop, and I, you know, I see, I taste that slice. I know what makes a great pizza. Okay, and I know what the price of that pizza should be. Okay, and you know, I so can, you th- you're I can analyze you're the heck insinuating
0: out of that pizza. That pizza. Owning a pizza shop is far more stable. No, what I'm saying far is far more that stable as an investment. I know
1: the business. Okay. I don't know the business, but I know pizza. At least I know something about that business. Okay. Um, you know, and then I'll go in there, and as an investor, yeah, okay, the pizza tastes great, right? But this whole thing with, uh, uh Tupac, what did you say about this whole, t- Tupac or something? Tupac. I don't know. You mentioned some a bad guy that affected the. Oil industry or something? Tupac,
0: <laughs> OPEC. Okay, whatever. O P E C, OPEC, OPEC,
1: OPEC, which is a OPEC. cartel. A cartel. That sounds dangerous. Uh huh. But you know, I don't know anything about these, the, 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 all that kind of stuff. You get what I'm saying to you? Okay. So okay, for so that's me fair. To so- plop some money down. To me, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm placing a bet on something I, I really don't have an understanding of. Okay. Now. As a retail investor, I did try to invest something that in, in a company that I thought I knew a little something about. Okay. Okay. So you, like you said, my background's in apparel. Right. Right? So uh, the company that I invested in, Aeropostal. Aeropostal? Aeropostal? Whatever that. Aeropostal? I don't know. Aeropostal? Aero, Aeropostal? Whatever, that company. Aeropostale. I, okay. I don't
0: even think I know how to pronounce it entirely yeah, Maybe correctly. that's a problem. That company,
1: you know, whatever, did what it did. But I, you know, I saw that, you know, every time I went into any one of these malls that we operate in, that okay. Postel was extremely busy. Okay. Right? Okay. They had great jeans. Okay. Great tops. Okay. Their price point was excellent. There were long lines at the register. So, you know, I'm like, uh, I think that company's doing pretty well. I'm going to buy some shares there. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I did check the PE and the PE at the time was comparable to a lot of its competitors. Cause I figure, okay, so if let's say Abercrombie and Fitch mm-hmm. or, uh, what are some of those other preppy bands? Uh, brands American Eagle, Ameri- America,
0: which I think is the same thing. Hollister's yeah. owned Abercrombie by Aber
1: Abercrombie. But anyway, yeah. all those companies were all basically, uh, trading within the same range as a came, came uh-huh. to P ratio. Uh-huh. Um, and to me, in my eyes, you know, and obviously I should have done more of full analytic, uh, uh but, uh, Arrow was the busiest, busiest at that, during that period. And yeah, I made a little bit of money when, uh, uh-huh. that happened. Uh-huh. Um, and then, um, for whatever reason, I mean, I mean, I know exact. I mean, I know how brick and mortar uh, has been uh, performing over the last ten years. Uh-huh. The whole landscape's changed. Uh-huh. Kids have changed. People have changed. Shopping has changed. Right. Um, all that. Right. But uh, at some point, that company uh, essentially, I think, that I it was trading at fourteen bucks a share or something. Okay. Uh, somewhere around those. Okay. And then they and unfortunately then they, it got down to like seventy five cents a share. Uh-huh. And I'm like, and I went around to these malls right uh-huh. and i'm and i'm not actively going to these malls to look at aero aer- pistol whatever it is uh-huh. but those stores were still operating and they were uh, had inventory their items were priced right there mm-hmm. were still you know customers at the register not as many as they were 10 15 years ago whatever right so i'm like 75 bucks 75 cents a share uh-huh. right uh-huh. V, uh compared to uh what i was paying earlier for this company 5 years ago 14 bucks a share yeah right yeah so i'm thinking, 75 cents a share hey that's a good deal uh-huh. Okay, I think most people would be like, "Yo, something that I was paying fourteen dollars for five years ago, versus seventy five cents now." Yeah, yeah seventy five cents. That's, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Uh huh. Right. So I bought a bunch of stock at seventy five cents a share. Yeah. Um.
0: Let me ask uh, you a question. Okay. Did you read up anything on what had happened in the news or in their investor relationship? Uh, you know, page?
1: I mean, what what are, what am I going to do as a retail investor? I'm I'm going to read like the only like the one quick and uh, easy thing that I can look at, right? Okay. Which is like Yahoo Finance. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Or I might look at you know CNBC or something okay. like that right okay so I'm like, oh, Okay. at the okay. time I remember um, they were talking about there was no there was not a lot of concrete what was going on right okay it was just a typical noise of oh customer the traffic is down inventory's up blah blah okay. blah
0: okay? I have to I want to just quickly interject really True. quickly
1: and long so short that company
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, declared I think they declared bankruptcy I'm not sure uh-huh. I just know that once one bankruptcy time restructuring, I, one right? time I logged into TD Ameritrade my TD Ameritrade account right <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, it was down to like a s- pennies, and there was it was delisted. It came, it went to a price where that junk, where that stock was delisted from the exchange, which I, I which I guess it meant I couldn't trade it anymore. Okay, right? I still own the number of shares, but it was so it was, it was so cheap that I couldn't trade it to anybody. Okay, right? I'm like, okay, what the heck is going on? Oh my god, what the hell is going on? Right? Okay, and then I find out, okay, so uh, maybe they're going out of business. Okay. Uh, maybe this company's going out of business, right? So it's understandable. But their doors are still open. It's, it's understandable. Yeah. Okay. Now it's 2019. Like uh-huh. I don't know how it's been. Like we like or five, four or five years, past. five years removed from that event, five year, right? Okay. And I go to the mall, and okay. who do I see operating?
0: Aeropostale. Aeropostale.
1: Yeah. So okay? yeah, they got the registers the ringing. They got uh-huh. the inventory. They got the stores, and I want to know where is my money? <laughs> Where's my money? Okay. <laughs> you
0: you you brought up a lot of things. And let me get to that. I'm going to ultimately circle to your point about, or your question about where's my money. First of all, uh, I think you're right. As a retail investor who, if you don't have the time or the resources to uh, do some digging on your own, it is it is a very, um, very the, dangerous thing to do. Before you move on,
1: let me just put a disclaimer in there. Okay. Okay. Um I do understand that when you make investments, or uh, in any kind of business, you don't uh, there's a measure of risk and I'm not saying that I'm entitled to any money just because I've invested in it, but if that store is still open and still operating, is what I'm uh, saying, like I feel like you should be entitled to something. I should at least have the opportunity to have my stock relisted <laughs> so that I could do something with it instead uh-huh. of being completely delisted. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. I'm stuck in, in no no man's land. Especially uh-huh. that source will open. It's not what I'm right, saying. Right, right. I'm not right, saying right. that there's no risk in business. Right, business is risk. Everybody right. knows that.
0: Like like we said, I think we're five years removed or something along those lines from those events happening, and so I, I don't remember all of the details. But when um, a lot of things coalesced together cumulatively to create such a terrible. Retail environment, and you know it better than I do. The point is, is that uh, the re- whole retail landscape changed. Uh, the 2000s were a totally different retail landscape uh, versus this most recent that de- de- the decade that we're in right now. And so, when when a- when Aeropostel, their financials started looking much weaker and weaker, largely due to the fact that mall retailers start discounting at such substantial, like such meaningful rates. That's why I don't. I for for some of you older people out there. Um, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch used to sell jeans that were at least 80 bucks and, and higher. I don't think they do that anymore, largely because they just don't have that pricing power as they do today. Those kinds of things negatively had impacted uh, Aeropostale, and I don't, and I, I'm not sure if Aeropostel took on debt to finance its operations in this most recent decade. And if it had done so, if they weren't able to service or pay for their debt or the interest on their debt, that means the company is sliding into bankruptcy. It's so,
1: happening with a lot of companies and so this co- year, right. last year. A lot of a lot of stores that we used to shop at, it's happening to a lot of those. And That's right. part of the equation. That. But but I, speaking to I, your
0: once, once once but speaking to your question though, why is Aeropostale's door still open and I haven't received anything back? Is largely probably due to the fact that. Some other grouping of investors came in, bought out the debt that Aeropostale owed, and now is effectively the new owner of the business. And so, and so therefore, unfortunately, the previous equity owners, the pre- previous owners in, uh, in Aeropostel, got wiped out.
1: If I'm going to go and invest in something, I better know that debt situation, right? Yeah. Like uh, a lot of clothing companies uh, this year and last year, uh, they went bankrupt. Uh-huh. A lot of brands that uh, are were near and dear to my heart, uh-huh. not just in clothing, but in just in stores. Case in point, uh, what's what's the best store of all time?
0: That just like went bankrupt? retail.
1: Retail store. What, what's one of the, the the?
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest shocking
1: best retail stores of all time. That stores that most people loved.
0: Loved probably ten years ago. J. Crew. Nope. Um, I don't want to grow up.
1: Cap. I'm a Toys, oh, Toys R Us. Were you, what, were you neglected as a child? <laughs> <laughs> toys R Us. Toys R Us. What yeah. a great company. What a great store, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it was a great store. It was a great store. Lots of lots of factors changed shopping behavior, blah blah. blah. But a lot of that, what happened to Toys Russ had to do with debt on their books, right?
0: Yeah. So that's why you have to, uh, especially if you want to be, if you're a retail
1: investor, and, and you who want owns a lot of that debt? Banks. Uh, and who who owns a lot of these stocks in these companies? Which companies? In in a lot of these publicly traded companies, uh, both institutional investors and retail and investors, banks.
0: Well, kind of so, indirectly, indirectly, I would indirectly? say, indirectly, yeah, indirectly.
1: Okay. Or a lot, a lot of the debt is uh, private equity. What, what do they? They call them private equity. What funds? These uh, private equity funds that re- that invest a lot of this money in these stocks. Uh-huh. They also own a, a tremendous amount of all this retail debt. Right, a lot of the debt. I feel like there's so many steps away from what I understand as a main street business person uh, to the whole Wall Street business, right? That it just doesn't make sense that this these things would occur, but because of Wall Street kung fu, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. These good looking good companies can one day be here and be gone tomorrow.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, well, and that's, it I looks think,
0: it looks from an anecdotally. From uh, an outsider, it's got it's got it's got to be anecdotal. from a shopper.
1: It's got to be anecdotal. Why? Because I'm a but, retail investor, and I've got a nine to nine to six job, nine to seven right, job, right? Right. So, but I think um, what I would love to learn is, um, you know, not being able to to spend the time to go ahead and look through every one of these uh, financial statements, uh-huh. uh, disclosures, right? Right. All this, right. all this paperwork, yada yada yada, where a lot of the numbers are probably cooked. You might disagree with me. the uh, yeah, there's gap, whatever accounting principles and dot 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 dot. dot. Given that environment, uh-huh. right? For me to take my extra $10,000 you know, ten thousand a year or whatever it is, like say uh-huh. one thousand a month uh-huh. that I have left over after paying everything, I don't necessarily feel very comfortable about logging into my TD TD Ameritrade account or whatever account and spending that money. But I would love, I would uh-huh. love to have another uh, revenue stream. Because, yeah, I mean, money is an asset that should make money. That's how it works, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you Which put is, money into yeah. underneath your your bed, it's not doing exactly anything. It's not going to, right.
0: So probably that's a good segue into and how we have to kind of close Part this. Two, yeah. yeah, close this conversation off is uh, I think active investing is not meant for everybody. Uh, and just because you don't take that path doesn't mean... Uh, it can can mean, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It's not any, it's not a lesser path. It's actually, you know, the other path might be even a more advantageous and a more prudent path, which is to passively invest by owning whole baskets of stocks. So if you had, again, if you had owned the S and P 500, which is a, a grouping of 500 of the largest publicly traded United States company stocks or the most reputable ones, uh, you would have done 10% year in and year out. So probably owning that basket and just kind of looking away so not being afraid of what happens and year we'll,
1: to year. And I'm sure we'll get into more detail gonna, about what that 10% year over year means in the next uh, episode. episode yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, and yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. But I do know that um, I would love, like I said, I would love to have something outside of my job mm-hmm. as a vehicle for, passive income stream for kind of. earning. Um, yeah, for instead of, um, spending, if I can, if I could take that, you know, hundred bucks and instead of downloading a few Xbox games, you know, if mm-hmm. I that hundred can become, you know, 10 Xbox games later on, <laughs> or, you know, I mean, it just as an example, but basically if I could have a real, uh, another real income stream, uh-huh. then, uh, that I'm confident about, um, and that I like to do, then yeah, I, w- I would definitely like to learn more about how to get that done.
0: All right. Well, I guess we'll try to figure that out and, and discuss that in later episodes. So with that, I think we're going to have to conclude this conversation. And um, yeah, I you know, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we have similar content available on our YouTube channel called Get That Bread Value Investing. So definitely check us out there as well. Uh, and we, again, this is also on our podcast called Get That Bread Value Investing. So if you, um, if you thought this episode was interesting or you learned something new, um, we'd really appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button give us uh, five-star reviews or give some feedback and I'd really appreciate it. All right, guys. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Later.